You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. So today I want to share with you a message, a firm foundation. A firm foundation. Have you ever found yourself in a place where you felt like your life is a bit shaken up? You feel a bit unworthy. Am I talking to the right people? You feel inadequate. You don't feel loved. Don't raise your hands. Just double blink at me. I want to share a message this morning that's going to reset your faith. To lay a solid foundation that you will know who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen? The Bible says there's only one foundation that can be laid, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10. Listen what the Bible says. According to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid their foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Turn to the person next to you, say, only one foundation, Jesus Christ. This foundation, Jesus Christ, he is love. He is righteousness. He is holiness. He is every beautiful thing in Christ Jesus. Amen? This foundation, hope, faith. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ, now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. Have you been going through some fire? Turn to the person next to you and say, that's life. Turn to the person on the other side and say, there's some fire coming. Whether you like it or not, there's some fire coming. You know, sometimes we think if we're a Christian, there's going to be no fire. Here the Bible says fire will come because God will come and test our works. No, I don't hear any amens. Amen. No, no. I rebuke the devil. I remember the first time I said, God, let your fire burn through me and remove everything that's not of you. I prayed it on a Monday, and I think by the Friday I was rebuking the devil. And God says, why are you rebuking the devil? You then asked for the fire to consume and burn everything away that's not of me. Am I talking to the right people here this morning? Each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved yet so as through fire. I think most of us when we talk about the gold, silver, and precious stones. We know what are those good things. But I want to talk a little bit about the hay and the stubble and the things that fire can consume. Because sometimes we are building with rubbish into our lives and we don't even know it. So if the foundation is Jesus Christ, the bricks, the building blocks, are often your words. The things that you are saying can either build up 
or break down. Can I say, many people's own worst enemy in building their lives up to where they want to be are they themselves through the things that they say. Judging yourself, condemning yourself, cursing yourself. No amens. I see double blinking. Amen. I got your double blink. How many times have you said, I'm stupid? You're stupid, now you do it again. You're cursing yourself. Can I talk to the ladies? Well, I think gentlemen fall in that category as well. I'm fat. I'll never get fat. Who told you you're fat? And you're comparing yourself to others, but other people are saying, cursing yourself. Saying things about other people, not building up, but breaking down. Don't you the person next to you say, I have to tell this to somebody. You're going to see the golden thread of love the whole time through my message today. Because Jesus Christ, the foundation is love, and we have to build upon that love. The Bible says in Galatians 5 verse 14, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this you shall love your neighbor as yourself. When last did you say to yourself, I love myself? Verse 15, But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. What is Paul saying here? He says, if you love each other, you won't bite each other. If you love yourself, you won't break down yourself with your own words. Your life will never rise above your confession. Your faith will never rise above your confession. What are you saying about your children? What are you saying about your spouse? Let me use an example. Can I speak to parents and leaders and teachers? Sometimes we say things and a word can have an impact on somebody's destiny. You know, Ecclesiastes says, indeed, there's not one righteous man on the earth who continually does good and who never sins. Turn to the person next to you and say, nobody's perfect. Verse 21 says, Also, do not take seriously all words which are spoken, so that you will not hear your servant cursing you. Let me use an example. Mommies and daddies, leaders, teachers, let's say, let's say you've had a hectic day at work. Had to sort out this and maybe a bit of shouting and screaming and just, you just want to get home and have a silent moment where everything is just quiet. And now you walk in, you think, I just want to go sit and have silence. And as you walk into the house, you hear your child singing at the top of their voice. And you're immediately annoyed because you want silence. And you say, listen here, please, can you just keep quiet? A matter of fact, that note isn't even on key. You shouldn't actually be singing. You should just be quiet. 
and you respond to that child out of something that you want, but it hurts them, and they make a vow in their heart, I will never sing again. Or my mother or my father does not believe that I can sing, whereas God has called them to sing. And because of a word spoken, many people have made vows in their hearts, keeping them from their destinies. Can I give you another example? This actually happened. Somebody that got involved in the church, new person, spent a lot of time with him, was very busy on the Saturday. He said, I want to, so when we were still in the school hall, he said, I want to come and help and set up. I know you guys do it at 10, but I'm going to be a little bit late. I've got something serious that I have to attend to, that I have to sign off, and then I'll go and help. I said, no, no problem, my brother, as long as you going, I love that, that you're going to do it. He says, my heart is really, I want to serve, I want to help, but I'm going to be late. I said, it's fine, just come and help. So the Saturday morning when he pitched up, he was the 15 minutes late, here he walks into a brother that tells him, what's wrong with your heart? Don't you know we start at 10? There's something serious wrong with your commitment if you come 15 minutes late. And rebukes the person. And that person says, you know what? I don't need this. And he walks out of the church and he says, I'll never serve and help in a church again. Turn to the person next to you and say, be careful what you say. Turn to the person on the other side. Say your words can either build up or break down. Anybody can criticize, but it takes a man and woman filled with the Holy Spirit to show and lead the more excellent way. Am I talking to the right people here? Can I go on a little bit more? Hmm? Some of you are hurting because you've made vows in your heart, promises in your heart, which is not in line with the Word of God. Sometimes when you say, somebody says something that hurts you, you've heard something. That's what the Bible says, don't take to heart everything you hear people say about you. Because people, if you've heard somebody say something and you say, I'll never, ever, ever talk to that person ever again. Cut them. The cancel generation. And now you sit in a situation where if you just call that person, they can help you and they want to help you. But you've made a vow in your heart, I'll never, ever talk to him. And I'm a man of my honor. If I've made a promise, I'll keep it. You, I'll never talk to you ever again. Am I talking to the right people here this morning? Some of you have to go and revisit some vows that you've made. Some things that you are keeping to your own hurt, which is not in line with the Word of God. Amen. Can I go on a little bit further? Many of us take many things too personally. Can I say that again? You take it too personally. You make it personally when it's not when you should actually just keep your nose out of it. How dare this person say it? And you want to get involved there. You know what's a very good example? I'm going to use Peter and David and just move between those two characters. But Peter, in the book of Luke chapter 5, we see that he's had a tough day. He's worked all night and have no results. Ever been in a situation like that? gone beyond, and now here Jesus jumps in your boat. Verse 5. It says, listen, 
go and catch a few fish. I know you've been up the whole night working, but just go out again. So verse 4. Well, let me go to verse 5. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. I mean, you can almost hear the pain and the anguish and the disappointment. Are you not Jesus? Are you not aware of the fact I've been working the whole night? Nevertheless, turn to the person that you say, nevertheless, I will let down the net. Go read the verse before that. Jesus said to him, let down your nets. God wanted to do far more abundantly above whatever he could imagine. He was overthinking it a little bit and said, okay, maybe I heard wrong. I'll drop the net. Here, Peter was still at a place of humility, and if you read on, you'll see he fell down on the Lord, and he said, I'm a sinful man. Stay away from me when he became aware of God's presence. Turn to the person next to you say, don't overthink everything. Turn to the person on the other side say, don't overthink everything. Peter wasn't thinking too much about himself here, so he could obey But then as he walked with Jesus, he started following Jesus. Some things happened. Jesus said to him, Peter, God's going to do something great in your life. You're going to be the rock. I'm going to build my church. You're going to be a great apostle. Remember, he got to a place where he walked on some water. I mean, that must be quite a faith builder to walk on water. Then when they asked, who are you? Who Who do men say that I am? Peter was the one who said, you are the Christ. And God said to him, Jesus said to him, this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven revealed this to you. So, I mean, he's he's the man of the hour with revelation. Go to Matthew 16, verse 21 quickly. I want to show you here. It's usually about the other person. Peter here has got all of these things happening in his life. And here Jesus starts telling them what really has to happen to him. Verse 21. For that time Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Peter did not want this. Peter wanted Jesus to be with him. But what would have happened if Jesus did not die? Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Can you imagine Peter rebuking Jesus? Saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Can I tell you something? Sometimes when people take things personally and they're talking to you, all that they are doing, they are busy reflecting what's actually going on on the inside of their own hearts and what they are busy dealing with. He was saying Jesus can never leave him. Now he's at a place where he's rebuking Jesus. Say, Aina or Amen. Let me give you another example. Go with me to the book of 1 Samuel. Samuel 
17, verse 28. Look at David's oldest brother. Such a good example. Verse 28. On the battlefield, David has been anointed to be king. He knows that. He's spending time in God's presence. He's killed a lion. He's killed a bear. Now he's on the battlefield. He bumps into his oldest brother. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. His oldest brother hears him talking, asking, what will be given to the man who kills this giant? And because he hears David asking these questions, he gets angry. Do you get sometimes angry when you hear people asking questions? Don't answer, don't answer. Then Eliab's oldest brother heard when he spoke to the men, Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? Why are you here? What are you doing here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Hmm. People speaking down at you. Oh, you're only doing this. Shouldn't you be taking care of that? Hmm? You're only an usher here cleaning. Little do they know, this is where he was, spending time with God, hearing God's voice, being empowered, killing the lion, killing the bear. So many times what God is using to empower you, to prepare you, people would want to diminish that to nothing. Whose issue is it? David's issue or his brother's issue? Who had the problem with the sheep, David or Eliab? I know your pride and your insolence of your heart. For you have come down to see the battle. I mean, David is accused of impure motives. Who knows the heart? Only God knows the heart. But suddenly, Eliab has become a discerner of the heart. Am I helping some of you here? <laughs> I can see your heart is full of pride, being judge of impure motives. For you've come down to see the battle. You've just come here to look at the battle. Leave this for the pros. We're fighting the battle. You just want to come and see. Guess who was just going to look and see who's going to kill the giant? Eliab. Sometimes when people say things like this, they're prophesying to you, but you take offense and you miss what God has got planned for you because you take offense. But David knew who he was in God. David said, what have I done now? Why are you getting so angry? Is there not a cause? Is there not a purpose and a reason that I'm here? Do you think I'm just here by chance? Do you think I've left the sheep by chance? My father has asked me to come here, and God is in control of my life. God has anointed me for a purpose. He's anointed me. Yes, I'm taking care of the flock, but I'm actually anointed and called to take care of God's flock. Turn to the person next you say, don't take it so personally. He is accusing David of impure motives, but he's the one with the impure motives. Because remember, he was the oldest brother that thought he was going to be anointed king. Then he was never anointed king. He thought, I'm the oldest, I should be king, not the youngest. Sometimes when God has placed a grace upon certain people's lives, you get angry. He was the one with the wound. 
David did not yield to that hurt, but kept his focus. Amen? Eliab would be the one ending up seeing the battle, and David would be fighting the battle. Sometimes people just leave them. Their hearts will snitch on them. Their hearts will snitch on them. Just let them talk. You'll hear what comes out of their hearts. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Everything is not about you. It's actually about them. Can I say it again? Everything is not about you. It's actually about them. The things that they have to deal with. But if you start engaging now, then you start to build with bad kinds of blocks. Continue to build with love, with the gold, with the silver, with the precious stones. Amen? You know, they didn't even see David as part of the family. When, the, when Samuel came to anoint the family, they left him outside by the sheep. Samuel had to ask, listen here, is there not another one? Huh? What do you, oh, David, but he's looking after the sheep. And that's there where God was busy preparing him. Amen? He was God's anointed. He knew that. So he didn't try to be anything else. He knew he was there with a purpose. He could keep focus. He just continued asking the questions. Amen? Turn to the person next to you. Say, don't assume anything. Verse 30, you see, when his brother made the comment, he just turned to the other people and he said, just tell me what will be done. What will be done? Can I tell you something? In this generation that we live, where people assume a lot of things, you have to ask a lot of questions. People are not thinking what you're thinking. Turn to the person next to you and say, people are not thinking what you're thinking. So David continued to ask questions until he had the desired result. 1 Samuel 17 verse 13. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul and he sent for him. So can I just say this? David never assumed at any moment that he could kill a giant. He knew he had a friend in the Holy Spirit who could dispose of giants. Because when the giant came against him, he said to the giant, you've not, not come against me. You've come against my God. But sometimes, I'm going to go back to Peter, sometimes we assume we can do things in our own strength, in our own confidence, self-confidence. It's good to have confidence, but have confidence in God and what he has called you to do in his purpose, in his plan, not in your own strength. When Peter's confidence was in himself and he assumed that he could do all things, he failed. Let me show you. Matthew 26, verse 33. He assumed he could do things in his own strength. I'm not even going to talk about the sin of presumption, but the sin of presumption, you can read in the Old Testament, the worst mistake that you can make, to just presume that you can do anything, that you can be anybody. Sin of presumption, when people think they can be a priest when they're not a priest. Go see what happened to Korah and them. Know what God has called you to do and to be and walk in that. If it's a king, if you're called in business, be that. Amen. Matthew 26, 33. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all who are made to stumble because of you, I will never, ever, ever be made to stumble. Confidence in self. Jesus, you know I'm the rock. You then said it, you're going to build your church. Jesus, I'm the one who had the revelation that you're the Christ. 
Family, listen. Never ever put confidence in yourself. Everything that we do is because of God and His grace. Amen? His ability and His strength. See, even though everybody else stumbles, I will never stumble. Says, even if it's going to cost my life, I'll be with you. All he could do in his own strength is chop off the ear of the priest's servant. Amen. And then even Jesus then had to bail him out. Am I talking to the right people here? Sometimes we build with the wrong stones. And suddenly when the fire comes, our whole world is shaken. Can I tell you something? Peter, when he became arrogant, he started in humility with Jesus. I'm a sinful man, stay away. But then in this walk, some pride and arrogance came into his heart that gave the opportunity for the devil to sift him. I submit to you, that's the reason why the enemy came and Jesus said to him, Peter, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Luke twenty-two thirty-one. 31, it says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. You know what? It, when you have returned to me, it says, when you have fallen, when you are down and out and you feel like you want to give up, come back and encourage your brothers. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. <laughs> then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times. You will say, I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him. Wow. Simon Peter gives me a lot of hope. When I look at him and I see how he messed up and God could still use him, and finish the good work that he began in him gives me hope. Amen? Amen. Who of you have assumed that you could do certain things and then it didn't work out? Let me just see your hand. This message is for you. Amen? Can I just say this? Jesus is aware of every weakness that you have. He even knows when you're going to be tempted and how you're going to be tempted. But in all of that, he's praying for you. And the book of Corinthians says he is ready to show you the way out. Oftentimes we say, Lord, get me out of this situation. And Jesus says, you're not getting out of it, Peter. But I'm going to pray that your faith will not fail. That your faith will not fail. That your faith will not fail. Turn to the person next to you, look them in the eyes and say, Jesus is a firm foundation. Turn to the person on the other side, say, Jesus is a firm foundation. Now let's go to verse 60. And this is such an amazing verse. It says, but Peter said, man, I do not know what you are saying. Denying Jesus. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. Look at verse 61. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. That means Peter was so close in that courtyard that they could, their eyes could connect. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. 
Can I ask you a question? How do you think Jesus looked at Peter? I want you to just in your heart formulate an answer quickly. How did Jesus look at Peter? Because if you're a Christian, then your understanding of how Jesus looked at Peter is foundational to your perception of how God sees you when you sin. I want you just to think about that. Because the way that you think, did he look at him with disgust? Did he look with him, I told you so? (laughs) Did he give him a look of, yeah, you've done it again? What was the answer that you had? Because that's the way you think Jesus sees you when you sin. We cannot know certainly how Jesus looked at him. But this is what Spurgeon says. Spurgeon says, I think it was a heart-piercing look. It was a heart-piercing look. A heart-healing look all in one. A look which revealed to Peter the blackness of his sin and the tenderness of his master's heart towards him. Jesus, when he looked at him, he did not look with eyes of hate. He did not look with eyes... I told you so. He gave him the look of faith. Peter, I'm praying for you. Your faith will not fail. There's a way out. I still love you because the foundation is love. I'm not even going to 2 John 1 where Jesus says, when you sin, don't go in a panic. I'm giving you my version. Don't go in a panic because the advocate that's representing you before God the Father is Jesus Christ. The one who is the surety, who is the guarantee, he's the one who died for you, and he's representing you. So any accusation that comes against you, he says, I've paid the price. I'm the guarantee. I'm the surety. They've come to me. They've asked for forgiveness. It's fine. This was a heart-piercing look. Can I tell you something? While Peter was looking at the people, he was cursing and swearing. But when he looked at Jesus, he started weeping. He realized I had to change. He realized there was somebody loving him. Amen? Amen. When you spend time in the Word, your life will change. Can I tell you something? When you have that firm foundation, Jesus Christ, in your life, nothing can shake your world. Nothing can shake your world. The things that we've been building with, fire will test it, and what is not of God will be removed. But guess what? When you build with love, when you build with hope, when you build with all these beautiful things, fire cannot consume all of that. Peter was relying on his own strength. Here's the good news. Where did Peter deny Jesus? Next to a fire, three times. Can you imagine every time he had to be next to a fire, the self-condemnation, the guilt, the judgment... Can I go on? Next to a fire, every time he would experience that, what did Jesus do? He met Peter next to a fire because he wanted to rewrite his story. And he asked him a simple question. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Not, are you sorry? Are you going to repent? Have you fasted 40 days and are you over this now? (laughs) 
What are all these punishments that you give to yourself? Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, just come to me. And Jesus asked him a simple question three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you know what Peter said? Lord, only you know. You know. You know I love you. Because he wanted to rewrite it. He did not want to be remembered as the disciple that denied Jesus. He wanted to be remembered as the disciple that loved Jesus. And this is the qualification for ministry. This is what qualifies us to go out into the world and to reach all nations. Do you love him? When you love him, that love will overflow to others. But when you don't love him, there's no love that can overflow to other people. Then there's fighting. You start taking things personally. You make it all about yourself. Actually, when you take something personally, you make it about yourself. And it's not about yourself. It's all about Jesus. Amen. In the beginning, it was for him all about his pride and his zeal. But here it was all about love. Can I just say this? When you go through a tough time and your world has been shaken by whatever situation or circumstances, may we be reduced to the place where it's just about loving him. Father, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Holy Spirit, I love you. The only thing that was left for him was sincere love. Sincere love. That's it. That's, that's what was left. Love is the only foundation God desires to build on. So if you want your life to change, get your love relationship with Jesus right. Amen? Love is the foundation that we build on. When you love people, you build them up with your words. You won't break them down. Every time you communicate, you're either building up or you're breaking down. Amen? Never take it personally, because most of the time when people say things against you, they're actually just revealing their own heart. Eliab, David's brother, you arrogant man with wrong motives, you're just here to come and look and not help. Leave it to the professionals. He was just revealing his own heart, amen? Don't take it personally. Go on, ask the questions and don't assume. David never assumed that he could kill a giant. He knew it was God who was going to kill the giant. Peter, in his own strength, failed. But look here what he wrote later on in 1 Peter 5, verse 10. He says, but may the God of all loving grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Amen. Peter said, listen, I've got good news for you. You might be going through some shaking, but guess what? You've become part of his divine nature. Go read it. It says, you've become part of his divine nature. And because of his loving grace, after you've suffered a while, after you've gone through these things, God is going to perfect everything concerning you. He's going to establish you. He's going to settle you. Who of you needs to be settled? That's the promise that he has given. Amen. Turn to the person next to you say, there's only one foundation. Love is the only thing that really carries the anointing. Love is the only thing that faith can work through. Love is the only thing that makes the difference between us singing songs or worshiping God. Love determines whether you are clinging dong, or whether your words are really building up people. Our job is to love Jesus very well. To give Jesus the rightful place in your heart. 
Is Jesus still your first love? Do you still love him above all other things? That's the question that Jesus asked Peter at the end. He said, do you love me more than all of this? He said, Lord, you know. Because God can see right in your heart if you truly love him. Anchor yourself in this firm foundation. Jesus Christ, love. And you'll soon see how God will establish you, perfect everything concerning you, settle you so that you can do what God has called you to do. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ, loving God, loving people.